0: There is a magical operation of maximum importance, the initiation of a new aeon. When it becomes necessary to utter a word, the whole planet shall be bathed in blood. Joking aside, welcome to a very special edition of Cat Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. Happy Hollow's Eve, ladies and gentlemen for tonight's discussion is going to be a little more on the more well the more lax side we're going to be discussing on the concepts of the exploration of evil in our media and why it's becoming more and more taboo I know you might be confused as to what are you talking about after all we have general stories of good and evil all the time and you are absolutely correct but have you ever considered the possibility or have you ever noticed how different how much the villain has changed in its role over the past 10 to 20 years the villain has been radically modified from it's more I should say traditional role to a more more sympathetic one and being the reasoning for that is because more and more people are actually finding more they're able to relate more to the villain nowadays than to the hero and I find that very odd so when we come so when it comes to the idea of how a traditional villain becomes more and more taboo it's because people are finding repulsed by the idea that a villain could potentially be Awful. And that just sounds so strange to me. It's so odd. Given that. For thousands of years. People have understood the concept. Or the basic. Necessity. Of a villain in a story. The idea that. A villain is not someone. Who is supposed to have. uh, At the very least. Relatable qualities. To the reader but rather they're supposed to be someone you're supposed to detest and stand against it's not supposed to be for at least for the purposes it's not meant to be in a it's not supposed to question the reader or have them antagonize against someone in a, in a, in an act in actuality but it's just a the villain is supposed to be a tool to help enhance the story to get you to un- to get you to be invested in the story the villain is supposed to be a key component in how the story progresses or in how the story is formed and yet nowadays especially especially with the concept of the sympathetic villain it's now becoming more and more prominent That a villain is not necessarily meant to... Is not necessarily to be made evil. But rather... Sympathetic. If there's an example that I do want to... Point out. And it's... uh, I don't know. There is, if you if you've known about the character Chucky from Child's Play, for instance,
1: he's
0: a, he's a murderous murderous being who s- transfers his soul into a doll, and he's supposed to be a killer through and through. Now, if you know if you watch the current show that is now, I I don't know what show what. Ep- What show... I mean... What platform has him right now? I think it's Amazon? Or is it Netflix? I don't know. Either way... There is something odd to me... About a villain who... Has attempted to murder his own son. And yet somehow people think that he's... To be celebrated. Because for some reason... He is proud of the very son he tried to kill. Just because he... Just because that very son... Happens to be... LGBTQIA+. Now, that would probably be a quality... That would be, you know, something... Be attributed to that of a hero... A protagonist that, you know, actually has, you know, decent characteristics, qualities, and philosophies. But to a villain who has been murdering for the past 40 years? Including his own son? And people just want to go ahead and sympathize with him for it? And then the show has them go... Hey, I'm no monster. It's... It's a baffling thought to me. It's something similar, I think... I think we discussed it earlier this evening. Where... Uh, the remake of the movie It. Where he was also brought in as a... Uh, supposed uh, LGBTQIA plus icon. And when they found out he too murdered them. It was a problem... I think people are failing to understand that villains are that—they're supposed to be monstrous beings. They're supposed—that was—it's what made the true traditional villain uh, such an obstacle that you wanted to topple over. It was to see and understand just how sadistic they can be and how badly they they tug at your sense of morality, your sense of compassion and your sense of empathy towards uh towards the uh the innocent in the stories. But now if the villains are doing that, all of a sudden you wanna you want to ignore their past scruples and their past sins just to praise them it makes no sense to me it's like a wolf's and sheep's clothing I think at the end of the day what you
1: need to understand is the paradigm of good and evil shifts, shifts generation to generation and what is perceived as good and evil whatever the base template was will always change slightly as a new generation takes up the mantle of creating a narrative what may be considered a timeless villain in one generation may not have the same gravity as it used to and sensibilities are part of of that change when it comes to the concept of a villain inspiring or somebody to uh, to hate them, it's very difficult to do that kind of thing. Because in a lot of cases, the level required to get somebody to believe that somebody's a villain ratchets up significantly as time progresses. And one of the major headaches I've seen is that through popular media through access to the internet and a lot of very traumatic things that people probably shouldn't be looking at but they do people don't have the same catch points that they used to have with regards to what would be considered villainy a good example of that would be the, it would be the Thanos situation in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where a lot of people felt that what he was doing was justified just because what he was doing was that was based on good intentions, and you know the old saying, "The road to hell is paved with those." What he may have, what he, what he, what he opted to do to fix to come up with a solution, in most people's eyes, and in a lot of analysis, people who actually looked into it, was like, no, what he was doing was monstrous even if what he was intending to do was to make things better, he didn't end up doing that because he what he ended up doing was breaking civilizations down in a vain hope of fixing a problem that he could have
0: probably fixed in, various,
1: uh, in a myriad of other ways, especially with the power he had access to.
0: Well, that was the point. It was not simply the fact that he destroyed entire civilizations all across the cosmos it's the fact that he had the very power to do so and believed himself to have the authority to make the decisions for literally trillions across the across the galaxy and that's what makes it so monstrous when you have that power to decide the fate of of countless people and countless organisms it only stands to believe the level of arrogance one must have and the madness to even dare attempt it only goes to show that that's a level of evil that even through the lens of justice is one that cannot be um it can't be rewarded even with even with praise or even with understanding, to some extent at least.
1: And I agree with that sentiment, but when you're looking at the gen- when you're looking at general consensus on things, that doesn't show through in a lot of those cases. And I'm and I'm personally okay with the sympathetic villain angle with a lot of things, whether it be because of personal personal injury, or you know. Th- Something much more regional with regards to the villain, what his intent is, or their intent is specifically. I, I get it, and it's a good use of of narrative of a narrative trope. But what you end up doing, if you overuse it, is you cloud perception of people on what is evil. What it, what it, when somebody's doing something that is acutely m- malevolent. In society, you're creating a blur across, you know, per, uh, across c- uh, consensual perception, making it so that when somebody does something that would be normally considered bad, it's no longer considered that way anymore even though it should still remain that way based on social consensus, or at least the society with which we, we reside in. Translating that into real life
0: creates a problem,
1: especially when it's overdone to a specific point.
0: Okay. Do you believe that writing or getting involved in uh, the narrative of creating evil characters or scenarios with evil beings uh, is something that affects the human psyche because the the reason i asked that question is that we have come a long way from developing storytelling and well character creation to where we are now actually very care more careful than ever to create characters of specific uh, specific groups per se for example uh, if you've played like the board let me the the, the, uh, the role-playing game of vampire the masquerade where apparently they put it in their, They put in actual notices where supposedly you can't play as quote unquote fascist uh, vampires or you're technically not allowed to play the game according to them. And that led me to something that's rather odd because no matter, even if you're not happy with the concept of the fact that Nazis are a thing. Hey, great. Nazis are terrible beings and they've always been. There's no arguing with that. But if someone is role-playing as a Nazi, it doesn't mean that they're actual Nazis. There are people that legitimately believe that question, why would you want to play a Nazi, and that is humans can be vile and evil people, and through a safe, controlled environment, it should be something that could be explored, even if it's just for the fun of it. And that is something that's rather taboo nowadays. Heck, in Japan, in... I think it's either Okinawa. There is a legitimate Nazi restaurant. It's a chain of Nazi restaurants. And it's actually popular there. That is crazy to me. And yet... They're pushing something... You know, they're pushing the bounds of taboo that would never work here in the U.S. Ever. It's true. And that's insane to me. I personally would never go into a restaurant like that. But they're the ones that are bold and daring enough to even explore it. And they're apparently making a killing. Meanwhile, here in the U.S., We can't even go to, we can't even play a role-playing game without people getting upset that there are people who are willing to play the idea of a villain as something as evil as a Nazi. Now granted, in Vampire the Masquerade, you are playing as literal vampires, undying beasts and often attributed to, uh unholy beings of Christian mythology and yet it's the Nazi that riles up people to the point where they want to ban people just for playing as them because they can't fathom the idea that a person might just want to play and pretend and be something evil ...just for a game... ...and rather they would just simply take it as... that's someone who is... ...that someone is actually evil... ...as if though it's a sign... ...we are currently... Li- we're, ...we are currently celebrating... ...a holiday... ...where all... ...you dress up in a myriad of different costumes... Including the literal devil himself Who is supposed to be the pinnacle Of all evil In many different monotheistic faiths And the Nazi is the one That gets blasted At least in terms Of a role When it comes to something as minor And insignificant As a board game So I don't know about you, I think the I think the whole thing is incredibly stupid, but I think, I, that, I think
1: that's a different conversation I have with regards to <clears throat> personal exploration when it comes to that kind of stuff, personal choices and such definitely start to have a more. Greater impact when it comes to that sort of thing because it also extends out to popular media such as video games and and such where you are given to much more morally gray and dark situations where you are given carte blanche to do those sort of things, and one can one can one can enjoy the game for what it is without condemning or condoning the situation that's being presented. But that because can also
0: be said the same about. You know, consuming literature and and media such as movies and videos. Well, you have a situation where there are book burnings and such that have been happening
1: for ages. That hasn't stopped. Yeah, there are that, there are considered banned books that don't exist in the library for specific reasons. Yeah, those things exist. They have existed long before the the, the existence. Uh, the, long before the existence of. Uh, of the Nazi taboo that has been in place, and it has been in place for a while. Don't get me wrong, but only since the past, you know, five to ten years has it become such a
0: a massive resurgence. Well, to be fair, I only put that as an example, just because it's the most infamous example. We can go back several hundred years on different writings and books all throughout history that, dis- because the one thing that. It's because censorship is a form of political of, of, of the political uh, suppression of such exploration. and that's not even and, and that's not even including uh, non-fictional works.
1: True. I think when it comes down to it, this goes back to a conversation that I've had with other people in different avenues. You, you, literally, you need to be aware of the the people that you are doing these sort of things with. When you are aware of the audience, you can be, you you are aware of the 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 elbow room that you have to be able to make larger leaps of logic and. And uh, and higher risk when it comes to things like that, or, or what would be perceived as such, and especially with the things that would be considered dark, too dark for general consumption. Knowing those knowing those sensibilities definitely gives you the, the pathway forward in a lot of cases. And when it comes to popular media, the the pathway forward for for, for those avenues tends to be through the general audience, regardless especially as things become much more generic with regards to the media that's being consumed it's no longer for a specific group anymore it's garnered towards a general audience to catch a larger uh, larger share of of the profits so what would what would be allowed in is, is what would be allowed is being personally hamstrung by the by the uh, companies that are making these movies because their intent is to make money not to make something that's actually good and and, and it's always a subjective thing when it comes to that sort of situation and it's subjective for people who make video games for people who make um rpgs that kind of stuff everything is based on personal personal beliefs and personal preferences when it comes to that stuff if they don't want to have it they are not bidden to have those sort of things if people don't like what they are presenting, they're given to not actually watch watch or consume that media. And in that case, in those situations, the, the the audience determines what is going to be the most prudent for those companies to be continuing making what they make or if they have to go in a different direction. That's just how the ebb and flow Of those
0: industries work And that's fine That's up to the companies to themselves To determine what kind of audience They want to cater to That's perfectly fine But then you also have the individuals Who decide to to Take it upon themselves To enforce Their preferences Their like like, uh, Yeah their preferences Up onto everyone Around them True,
1: and within that within that uh, intent, they're only as successful as others let them be. You can have what you can make whatever bold claims that you want. It's only if people are willing to acquiesce to that particular v- viewpoint that you have the consensus necessary to be able to make that kind of leap forward. If nobody's listening, they're just screaming into the darkness, and that's perfectly fine by me. You, you do whatever you want. And personally, it' more, much more, the better because people who, when you don't get a reaction to those sort of things, which is what should be the ultimate answer to most of those situations, you get, you, the response generally is, is that I better not do this anymore because I'm not going to get the reaction that I want. More of a headache to me because that, that, and I've said it before, with especially with our, with our generation, as we're millennials. I feel there are much more people who are... More, who are there are people who are much more stunted when it comes to conflict resolution. And when it comes to those sort of things, it, the, the, I use the term stillborn adults. If they haven't been given to actual good conflict resolution, they're going to perform the same acts that they would perform if they were a child in hopes of getting some kind of reaction. And the problem with it is that polite society is given... Because of these people's general age, because most of them are adults, to acquiesce to them in some manner, because there is a belief that these individuals will, gi- will, will give as much as will, will give as mu- will receive as much as they give, and that's never really the case. At the end of the day, when it comes to those sort of situations where there's just screaming and shouting and pounding your feet like a child, most he- uh, most people in polite society are just going to acquiesce because it's just to them it's either that or let their day come to a screeching halt. And I don't think that needs to be the case anymore. I think at the end of the day, when somebody does that sort of thing, especially if they're an adult or claim to be an adult, if they display a specific level of uh, childish tendencies, then they just deserve to be ignored. Especially when it comes to situations where they're trying to push an agenda or push a specific narrative when it comes to what, what can and can't be consumed. And I think at that point we're, we're we're working our way into
0: a into another topic altogether. I disagree. I think we are current. I think it fits well to the conversation. I think censorship is a key component into the ability to explore the con. let sp- explore the human conscience, because when you're forbidden from making that, or at least forbidden from exploring certain aspects of that particular conscience. Then there's, um, well, obviously there's a limiting factor. The factor is
1: only limited by the audience presented, or the limitations that the person that the person who creates the stuff ends up putting on themselves, and that ends up being the real problem. The limitations that are placed upon these sort of things are mostly self-inflicted, for the purposes of money.
0: Are self-inflicted or
1: self-grandized? Both both they in in some cases it's done because it's the it's the parameters set forth by the by, by, a, by a more powerful authority in rega- in those cases it's usually by the production company itself telling the creator you need to do this this way and not allowing the creative freedom to be able to tell the story that you want to tell now there's always going to be there's always going to be those bumpers when it comes to that sort of thing regardless of how free a person is to write whatever they want I think when it comes to create creativity as a whole, especially when it comes to villains and heroes, it, the, the 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 landscape is much more restricted. And this is a conversation I've had with other people about this because we're not in the generation, we're not in the generational gaps where people are creative because they're literally throwing everything, anything against the wall to see what sticks. If you look at a lot of what's being created, the tropes are being reused pretty significantly. And we've talked about derivatives, derivative content before. But when it comes to uh, heroes and villains, it's to the nth degree in some cases to the point where it's so cookie cutter that a person could see from a mile away how everything's going to play out and it becomes boring. That's why I said before with regards to villains the extremity is something that constantly keeps ever reaching outward. There needs to be a higher and higher or lower in that case bar to be set into the into the underworld for for these villains so that they can appear monstrous because people have become effectively numb
0: to what would be considered societally evil. You would say so but then we have something like going back again Nazis is where a lot of people feel like that's going way too far. If that were the
1: case, why would there be so many World War II shooters?
0: because the world because you're shooting the
1: Nazis you're not playing as the Nazis Wolfenstein all that kind of stuff it's just I'm talking about the trope as a whole I'm not talking about them as villains yes it's become it's become overplayed and for me it's the people who still keep screaming about that sort of thing aren't the same people who are literally just tired of hearing about it all, all all together not because they don't Ha- believe that there's some sort of viable significance into, dis- into disliking them or hating them it's just when you keep hearing the same thing over and over and over again it no longer holds the same gravity with regards to villains especially with w- just using something like that as a template also within itself becomes an overused trope because the the, the fascistic standpoint or the fascistic villain or villain, villainous organization is again a, a, a trope that is so overplayed, it no longer has the value it has. So you have to create these weird, it created in a vacuum villain scenarios that know that that are so alien in what they think and what they do that it's not even the fact that it even sparks any kind of fear or instinctual you know recoil in a person when they're watching it. It's just, they just can't process it anymore. We're eventually going to hit a plateau, and we already are seeing it, especially in media, where there's just no value in the tropes that are are used anymore. You are eventually just going to create a, a, a sequence of words on a, on a piece of paper that convey a, an emotion or or a, a, an expectation. It's no longer even a, 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 a significant totem a totem anymore. With when it comes to villainry, to villainy,
0: I think that's most likely because since we struggle to maintain a level of restriction. ...on how we approach these types of characters and their design, that we no longer understand what what it means to design these characters in the first place.
1: Yeah, because the paradigm shifts so much that the concept of villainy is no longer in place anymore. Are we talking about corporate villainy, where a corporation does monstrous things to its competition and to its costor- consumer base? Are we talking about personal villainy, where you have you know sc- school shootings or? Uh, serial killers or uh, you know, ven- or are we talking about v- a vengeful villainy a person who's out for revenge so they're more of an anti-hero than they are a, v- a villain in, in whole cloth there are so many different directions to go and what ends up happening is when you start slapping together these tropes into an, into a, a homogenous form you no longer have a bellwether for a, for a consumer to be able to create, to be able to follow your narrative anymore, because they're too confused, there's too much going on, and for your average, you know, t, you know, TV watcher, you know, media consumer, it, there's going to be a point where they just stop, they, they don't longer, they, they just check out, because it's not going to be something that they can connect with anymore, there's nowhere that they can, that they can insert themselves into the narrative, and that's honestly the major headache for me, As somebody who does enjoy narrative work in television and in movies and, you know, in literature, if I don't have anything to attach to, be it good or evil, in the societal sense, and of course, the concept of good and evil is in of itself a societal creation, because within the animal kingdom, the concept of evil and good doesn't exist, it's mere survival. Yes. Cons- we you know animals consume each other you know plants everything based on the process of propagation and survival it doesn't matter to them the intent of which something is done we can instill a sense of intent on in what they're doing but it doesn't it it, it exists only in our mind As an animistic viewpoint, as opposed to something that is legitimately within the, the paradigms of Mother Nature,
0: we do so to rationalize the behavior that we see from them. Since we can't directly communicate with them, all we can do at best is make strong inferences on how things, on how animals, uh, behave. Correct. And
1: when you do that kind of stuff. It, it, it's it's something. It, it, it's merely uh, it's merely a coping mechanism for the harshness of the reality we live in. So when it when you look at the way people look at things with regards to society and media, be it something, be it literature or movies or pop culture things beyond that, if you create situations where. There is no conceivable way for somebody, unless they are of a specific wavelength of thought, to be able to grasp it. If you're trying to create something that's untenable for, for a normal person to enjoy, you're going to end up putting them off of what you're trying to create. Now, that isn't necessarily a bad thing, and I want to actually stress this. If you're, you can make something niche with the intent of making something that is niche... Having something that targets a specific group of people with a specific sensibility is completely fine. As long as you're aware that you're only going to be able to bring those people in. It's like Tarantino flicks. In most cases, not everybody's going to enjoy a Quentin Tarantino movie. Therefore, a specific proclivity of human being. The tropes that he uses, not his own personal things that he adds into it, that is its own separate headache. But, The tropes that he uses, the way he structures things, have a specific set, uh, have a specific type of coolness. Calm, collected, evil, as it were. Morally gray, but you still can see that there is a level of malevolence in what's being done. With With a tinge of survival thrown into it. To be able to tie everything together to a general idea of why these things are occurring in the movie. But it's not for everyone. No. And there's tons of movies in his repertoire that you know will hit those different areas for different people. And they're all really good in their own right. Because I personally am fine with Tarantino movies. I think they're really awesome. Especially the more, the more esoteric stuff that, that he, he does for what it's worth. But that's just me. That wouldn't translate to someone else. Maybe someone else wouldn't enjoy that. And that's where you start to hit that point where it's like, you need to understand what you're getting into when you create these sort of things, but they're not being created anymore. What brings people into something to create that cult classic scenario that brings people to watching things over and over again is because it's off the wall enough to catch you where you're not expecting those things to occur. Whether it be with the villains or the heroes or whatever is perceived heroes or villains in those cases. We don't have that in place anymore. So what we have now, in, pop, especially, in especially in fan-made media, if you look at a lot of things where people write their own stuff am, in amateur, you can see a lot of the tropes that they're borrowing from previous media that they've ingested in trying to make it something that is their own, without divorcing too much from what they used to enjoy, and it never translates effectively. There's a certain level of understanding you need to have about society when you're writing. Understanding, I think, for me personally, when you understand that a person is made of good and bad, the concept of a villain falls flat on its face. Because any person... Is two steps away from being a being somebody who will go off and kill people for no discernible reason.
0: Oh, of course.
1: Or for go, or going off and building building v- villages for for underprivileged uh, people in Africa. You you can't you you cannot isolate a person into a specific box, and it, it, you can't do it. Unless they already have mental issues, where they are going to go that direction on their own, and it's something I've said many times before, and I will continue to say it. The people that you worship, in one way or another, because we all put people on pedestals. We're all just as we're all guilty of it. We have people that we enjoy, and we are willing to look past their foibles to be able to appreciate them to the point where we've given them a semi-deity status. We've all done it. I don't do it as much anymore because I realized through my own family passing and hearing stories about people, that I, people I've known... That everyone's made of good and evil when it comes to those sort of things. The percentages out at the end of the day are what what they or what are the differences. And when you are bidden to somebody, like you enjoy their work or you look up to them, you are doing them a disservice if you do not look at the bad versus the good within them. If you have not come to that conclusion after looking at everything that they have done collectively and being able to make that decision that they are still a good person at the end of everything, then they weren't then they weren't worth your reverence in the first place. Be it creators, be it actors, be it actual heroes in general, people who go and do things. And I know we've talked before that the concept of a hero doesn't exist. When it comes to the label, the label hero does exist. The concept as a trope of a hero does exist. The concept of a hero in and of itself as a tangible being doesn't exist. Because everything is a societal label, you can slap hero on anything. But within that within that paradigm is what exists, the mystique that comes with it.
0: Well, you can slap hero onto everything, yes, if you want to. But it's whether or not that person, that, that being who has been uh, slapped that label has earned what it earned that label in the first place because yes, I agree with you that there is a, there is a balance between, uh, morally just and morally corrupt that a person, uh, you know, has to keep in check. But what makes a hero, a hero is what makes that is when they ultimately balance their, they balance their moralities in a way that they are morally just over being morally corrupt. Because just like any, if you look back at the old, tradi- the older traditional stories, you'll find that the protagonists in many of those series, in many of those classics. They aren't perfect beings. They never have been. And they're still revered as heroes. If you look at Hercules, for example. Not even Disney's Hercules. We're talking about classic Greek, no, Greco-Roman Hercules. He wasn't someone who was perfect. He wasn't someone who had the right ideas from the start of his existence. He was someone who eventually grew up to being rather uh, rather brash, arrogant, and to some And to some extent... He was someone who couldn't control his temper. And that took... And that was one of his biggest... Weak points. That led to his 12 trials... After being possessed by Aphrodite... No, not Aphrodite... Uh, by Hera... To kill his own wife and child. Now, granted... That's not something you hear nowadays with modern Hercules, especially Disney's Hercules. But it's just one more example, it's just one example of that, at least for the hero. It's a title that one has to, that one earns, not just, it's not just simply given to anyone. Even if, if you're not doing, if, if you don't uh, um, embody the characteristics of a true hero... Even if you aren't doing anything morally uh, morally sinful, for lack of a better term, you aren't a hero. At least you're not doing anything terrible, but you wouldn't be a hero either. It, the title of a hero has to be earned. I know that's a bit of a tangent, but still...
1: No, I understand. And that comes with the concept of, flaw, of uh, overcoming flaws. And... I, I and I've listened to podcasts that talk about that. When you create when you create a character in a narrative, if you don't have something that makes them tangibly human, as in a set of flaws and shortcomings, and you make them larger than life, we've talked about it with the concept of the Mary Sue. Mm-hmm. You you end up creating a situation that they they become a, a god, and they're no longer a. Con- it's no longer about heroism. It's about An insurmountable force, and that should also go with 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 the villain as well. As well, how do they become a villain? Well, they have flaws, and they could never truly overcome them
0: in In one way or another. It's because, in many ways, the villain undergoes the same moral obstacles that the protagonist hero does, and the difference between them is usually that the villain doesn't take those, doesn't choose. ...what the hero chooses. The hero, the the traditional hero... ...makes the difficult decisions. They set the example. The villain doesn't. The villain strays away. The villain does not make the easy... ...makes the easy decision. Not the hard ones. It's true. And it's something that nowadays... ...more and more people relate to the villain... ...because the villain... ...because like them, they reflect on the fact that the villain is someone that doesn't doesn't like making the uh the difficult decisions doesn't like making the sacrifices necessary to do what's right and always seems to come from a terrible terrible situation that justifies their perspective and philosophies and their actions yep which is come, which in my opinion, it's like you said. They seem to appeal to the stillborn adults of think, today's generation.
1: I think at the end of the day, for those particular people, it's because they. It, it, you always look again, as I said before. You put yourself in the narrative that you're that you're ingesting, and when you see. Yourself in a specific character, the parallels are always going to be there for you to be able to make that connection. You would make the decisions that that person made, whether they were the hero or a villain, and that and that's why you end up having a situation where you have people who go, "Yeah, I more I more relate to the villain when it comes to those sort of things." It would simply, be, like a Thanos, it would simply be easier to just cut the to cut the universal. Um, population in half. We wouldn't have any more issues with overpopulation, there wouldn't be shortages of supplies, there wouldn't be strains on on pollution rather than going and coming up with a more difficult plan. But I don't blame them specifically for that because if you look at the way things are set up, there's a certain level of hopelessness that one ge- that one gives, gives into to make the easy decisions. Whether it's because they've tried and tried and tried the correct method over and over again and have not gotten any real results in those things, even though they're being told it's the correct thing to do, or they've seen that th- those things have disastrous results and believe that it, the only way to go through with things is to take the darker or the you know path of least resistance as it were so those so having that viewpoint is completely understandable the differences is coming to the conclusion that there you just have to rethink what you're doing and make adjustments appropriately that would be for the greater good of what you're trying to accomplish rather than the easiest way to accomplish what you need to to get the results you want and that becomes much more utilitarian, and it basically discards the concept of good and evil. Because at the end of the day, it's what's easier than what it's what it's doing what's easy versus doing what's correct.
0: Couldn't I have said it better myself.
1: It's just it's just a weird scenario when it comes to those things. I'm very empathetic when it comes to, to the people who kind of given to that level of despair. Because I think we all eventually kind of just give in for a brief moment and think, well, why wouldn't I take this route? You know, it's easier. It, 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 it's At the end of the day, are you going to be okay with those decisions? Can you live with those decisions? Can you feel like you've done better for yourself as a person? That you have progressed as a human being by doing those things? And some people, at the end of the day, they say yes whether that's we good or ill is irrelevant in, in their situation because it's a personal journey that they're taking
0: and I think that is the most important aspect in why these topics need to be explored and it is fullest extent because there is a despite that we have millennia of stories and diff, the one thing that that makes modern storytelling so crucial is that it makes us look at ourselves and see what it is that we are truly capable of. We've seen what people were capable of in the past, but modern storytelling tells us, or it gives us an example of what we modern people are capable of. I believe there was a professor
1: at one point that actually posed this question to his his, uh, students. He said, if you were born during the the Nazi regime and you were given a chance to to do something different versus the situation that had been progressing, would you do so? And a lot of people said, of course. We we would do everything in our power. We would stop Hitler. We would make, make it so that those things didn't happen. We would save as many people as we could. And he said, I didn't say that you now, with what you know, the things that you're aware of in hindsight, I am saying you personally born during those times in that society, would you be a freedom fighter or would you be working at Auschwitz?
0: And that's a very good question. Most of us would not dare believe that we would be working for the Nazi regime because based on what we know, It would be absolutely insane and preposterous that you would ever consider working for them. However, many of those people at the time, they did not see it that way. Because they did not have the hindsight that we have now. Yep. Because when you enter a situation like that, when you enter it before the results of things... You will never know just exactly what you're capable of until you're put on the spot. Indeed. And that,
1: that ends up being the problem. I think there is a certain level of detachment when it comes to the people who want to brush things under the rug, especially history. I think there's a fear. I think it comes from a place of fear that they might do the same thing. And they don't want to admit it to themselves. Of course. And yeah. I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to think and be worried about. But if you are incapable of facing those things and making those decisions, how are you going to better yourself if that's something you do think of? That you actually have that guttural response, that you are horrified that that would be something that you would do, is already in itself a positive attribute. Because you are willing to make the take the step back and have the introspection necessary to be able to say... I would do those sort of things, and I cannot allow myself to do those sort of things. I need to be better. I need to see why those things, why I think that way or feel that way.
0: Because by doing so, you're acknowledging that you have a level of evil inside you that most people refuse to acknowledge. Yeah, and And, that's the problem. And thus, it is a level of arrogance that comes with it, Mm -hmm. where they would simply rather ignore and refuse to acknowledge that there is something terrible about them then rather than to legitimately try and fix and resolve the issues that come that comes with us every single one of us as a as human beings because at the end of the day we are both dichotomies of both moral justice and moral corruption none of us are immune to the corruptions of evil yeah, and it is why it is necessary for us to explore the concept of evil because we need to know at the very least in every single one of us just how truly demented we can truly be
1: yeah if you don't know how far you can fall as a human being then you'll never know how far that you can go to be a better human being you, know, you need to be able to find, your, to find the bottom of the well for yourself to be able to crawl back up out of it into the light in a lot
0: of cases. Absolutely. And if you think that being a Nazi is the very pinnacle of evil, I'm sorry to tell you, while despicable and truly monstrous beings, we are capable of much worse. And we won't know to the extent if we continue to try and hide it. But with that being said, I think that's a rather mouthful of an episode. What do you think?
1: I think at the end of the day, people need to make their own decisions when it comes to their own personal beliefs and their in their their lifestyles. And I think if you are not given a... Avatar of good as much as an avatar of evil to be able to create an effective uh, weather vane for yourself. Then you are denying yourself the building blocks of being a better person. These things exist; they will always exist because they always have exist. You can't sweep them under the rug; they've already happened. You can try and walk away from them. You can whitewash history as much as you want, but in the corners of your mind. You will always know those things exist. And they won't go away. You need to better yourself with the understanding that those things exist. You are no more or less than the sum of what you have accomplished and what you have absorbed in your life. A villain is as much an avatar of you as a hero is. You just need to be aware of where you stand in those percentages.
0: Perfectly well said. And with that, thank you ladies and gentlemen for joining us on this spooktacular night. I had to draw that as a pun. We hope to see you next time. We are getting close to our second season finale. Quite the accomplishment for us here at the Tiki Bar. We will attempt to
1: try and actually have a guest for that particular occasion. If I can find one. There are a couple people that I've been talking to that I've been trying to nail down. I hope to actually do so. If I need to find a replacement for one of them, I will. will. The other one I just have to chat with to see if they are more available around the time when we do recordings. If I need to make some adjustments, I will do so. It's more around their work schedule than anything else.
0: Fair enough, and I'm looking forward to it. That being said... Sail off, sailors, and we look forward to seeing you next time you come ashore. Thank you for listening in to the Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. We are humbled that you have given us your time to listen to us discuss things. If you would like to hear more from us, you'd like to see more from us. Uh, I have personally a account on Twitter under the name of Ragnarok Knight. My co-host here also has an account on Twitter as well. He goes under the name of Punk Toast. We also have a Facebook page under the name of Captain Mediocre's Haunted Tiki Bar. If you would like to uh check that out for updates on when we have our sessions
1: we also have our voicemail link in the show notes we will be having voicemails read during the course of our records going forward as long as there are voicemails to be to be listened to um any further inquiries on that uh do feel free to pm either of us on twitter or you can go through the actual facebook page to ask us any queries as well thank you so much to all of you safe travels to you all cast off friends